Morning, morning, morning. Yes, we're back with another episode, another rider. Today we have a lovely lady, Louisa, Louisa and she's um, a professional, was it, freediver? Free which if you've listened to one of my episodes of when I did try to do some free diving in Yemen it went seriously wrong when a shark turned up <laughs> but that put aside we're going to learn from an expert so nice to have you here today Louisa okay so tell us how long have you been a free diver for and what got you into it That's good. And what, what got you into it? Yeah, that's a good question. I Obviously, I really loved being in the sea. I was working as a scuba diving instructor for a long time. And then I was back working in London for a little bit. And I, I suppose I felt like something was missing and I couldn't work out what it was at first. And then I realised it was I needed to, to get back into the sea. And so I flew to a place called Dahab in Sinai in Egypt to scuba dive in the Red Sea. And I realised when that I, when I was there, I could also do a free diving course. And I'd been I'd been free diving in inverted commas uh, for years anyway, probably doing everything wrong and you know not really realising that it was something you could actually learn to do properly. So whilst I was there, I did this free diving course and. And then I never looked back. I never wanted to go back and scuba dive again. And you know, I realised that you get so many things from free diving that uh, that you can get from scuba diving, but you get more. Scuba diving, I think, is a little for me. It's a little bit like watching a watching a film. You know, you don't have to do an awful lot, but free diving is actually a sport. You know, there's a constant challenge, whatever level you're at, uh, up to you know, being an athlete or being a beginner just recreationally sort of enjoying the sea or, you know, a lake or, or any kind of body of water. There's always challenges, you're always bettering yourself, you're always connecting your mind with your body and how you're moving and how relaxed you are and making yourself more efficient so that you can hold your breath for longer and so so it's a it's a different activity, and I became addicted kind of straight away, and uh, it's you know it's all it's gone, gone gone from there. Tell us about the course. How long was the course? What was there's going to be a lot to it, breathing, all these kind of things. So I've just come back from teaching a, a beginner course to a group of group of guys in Formentera in Spain, and it's a two or a three day thing to get like a beginner foundation in free diving. So there's theory involved. The theory is similar to scuba diving in some ways. So you're learning about how to equalize your ears. A lot of people get, you know, ask me how I can go underwater without my ears hurting. So that, you know, there's a technique called equalizing, which you have to learn. You learn about the physiology of your body. Just to jump in there, with yeah. the equalizing, is it where you breathe, what is it, blow the bubbles into your ears? Kind of blow the air into your ears? So yeah, you. The most simple way to do it is to squeeze your 
nose so you pinch your nose and then you try to inflate your nostrils so it's almost as if you're blowing out but you're not the air's not obviously escaping because you're pinching your nose and what's happening is that's going through these tubes that reach from your nose the station tubes that go from your nose to your middle ear and that air space in your middle ear becomes equalized so that the pressure of the weight of the water reduces the volume of the ears and that's what causes your eardrum to, to be drawn in and that's what causes the pain. Tell me if I'm getting a bit too... No, it's good, it's good. But yeah, essentially what you do if you when you're starting, you start from the surface, equalizing before you even leave the surface. And then... So you equalize out of the water? You equalize when your head's on the surface. So okay. you're kind of pre-pressurizing that area. Because, you, you know, by the time you've dived under, you've gone, a, you know, a meter or so. And then you need to equalise straight away again. So you're just giving yourself a head start. And uh, yeah, it's, it's it's this feeling of pain in your eardrums that that that, that stops people from going further. And all they need to do is learn how to equalise their ears properly, which is very simply pinching the nose and inflating the nostrils. So you, as if you're blowing your nose. Okay, that's good. You were going, you were saying about the other part of the course. Yeah, so you learn some theory about the physiology of, of free diving and how the human body really is designed to be able to dive underwater holding our breath. And it's very interesting like how we have this mechanism, much like a, a dolphin or a whale. Obviously, it's a little bit, more, you know, it's not as, a, as strong a reflex in humans, but it is a real thing that allows us to be able to hold our breath for much longer than we would expect. But the other thing that you have to learn about is safety because obviously you're holding your breath underwater so there's you know there's risks involved in that so you have to learn how to free dive properly and you always have to free dive with someone else that knows how to look after you and knows how to rescue you if anything happens. So, so some really important bits of theory that you learn with the course and then you do some shallow water training normally in a swimming pool or, or shallow water if it's open water that's that's fine too and then you do some depth training you're learning a lot about relaxation and how to relax your mind and how to relax your body because any activity either in your brain or in your body is using up oxygen faster so the calmer we can be mentally and physically the longer we're going to be able to hold our breath for and the more comfortable it's going to be talking about holding breath how long was the longest you could hold your breath for when you started? Uh, what, you, what you do now? Well, for the beginner course, you would do two minutes to to be, to be certified. Really? Yeah. <laughs> That's a long time. It is, yeah, and it's really surprising for people when they do it because it's the first thing that we'll do with people. So, so I'll start on day one, doing a little bit of a chat, explaining a little bit of the theory. And then I go through a relaxation session with people, doing some breathing, doing some mindfulness, body scans and that kind of thing. And then I'll get people to hold their breath and progressively you, we do like a warm up, you know, to get the body familiar with what it's doing. And progressively it's very easy for people to, to do in two minutes and it's very surprising to them because, you know, it's, it's just applying a few kind of techniques but mostly relaxation. And then it becomes very possible and it is something that you can practice on your own when you're not in the water so you can lie on your bed or lie on your sofa um, you can get apps on your on your phone to to practice 
very important to get a teacher because the difference that you can uh, feel in the process when you're shown how to do it properly compared to just trying it out on your own is, uh, is quite dramatic. Every time I get in the pool, so I try and swim, try and swim every day, usually about four or five times a week. Amazing. But I always, the, my local pool is 20 meters. Yeah. Nutfield Gym. And I always swim the first section underwater, one length. And I come up, but sometimes if I relax, and what I do, I start off kicking. So yeah. I don't use my arms. Yeah. I use my arms as I get to the like 15 meter mark, and then I realise, okay, we need to kind of go somewhere where we're not going to make it. Sometimes I don't make it. Sometimes I do make it. My question to you is, am I better practicing out of water or in water? Okay, so my the other. An important part of what I do in freediving is I work as a safety freediver in uh, top level depth competitions. So I am very much safety aware and I, I have to rescue people a lot who have blacked out, we call it, who have passed out from holding their breath. And so I'm looking at things always very much from a safety point of view, but everybody that learns to freedive knows that, that you don't freedive on your own. To do a 20 metre pool, if you have some, you know, you obviously are a swimmer, so you've got some swimming background and you're quite comfortable in the water. The swimming training will quite often involve doing one length on, on breath hold underwater. So this is what you're doing anyway. So one length as an absolute maximum would be fine. The, there is a difference though, when you go to your question, there's a difference between holding your breath in water and holding your breath out of the water. So from a safety point of view, if you're on your own, you can only do it dry, we call it. But part of the dive reflex that I was talking about before, is called the mammalian dive reflex because we're mammals, as our dolphins and whales and, and seals and these other uh, marine mammals that hold their breath underwater. So part of the reflex that helps us to hold our breath for longer involves getting water on our bodies and especially on our faces. So that helps us to hold our breath longer. So it's a different experience. It's probably harder for most people to hold their breath out of the water. Now, some people do it for training because then when they get in the water, if they're gonna do a competition or they want to do a personal best or they want to you know, see how far they can go, obviously with, with a safety diver, then it's easier when they get into the water. Is that, is that making sense? Yeah, yeah, total sense. So from a safety point of view, if you're on your own, train out of the water. Mm. If you're only gonna do one length and you've already got experience doing that because you're a swimmer, then that's, then that's fine. If you wanted to go a bit further, then I'd say definitely find, find an instructor. And you find free diving instructors everywhere at the moment. Okay. Yeah, even, even in England, even in the middle of the country where there's no, you know, sea or, so, I used to go to the Olympic pool yeah. in Stratford. Oh yeah. Now they got the big dive for yeah. the competitions. They, I'm obviously, I'm not talking about diving as like jumping in, but would they have a, right, what would be the, a place in central London that you could recommend for someone like me to go into, <coughs> to start developing this? So there are freediving clubs in London. They will require you to have done a course that's 
either the, it's a full course, i.e. you do the pull training and you do the depth training, or that you, you're you qualified to, to train in, in the swimming pool. So the beginner course can just include the theory in the swimming pool if, if that's all that you want at that point. So a lot of these freediving clubs in London will offer that training. And then there's places all over all over the country, but I would there was there was a club in Richmond that I used to train at when I was still living in London, also in Victoria, in Crystal Palace, and I'm sure that there's more now than they were, you know, sort of eight years ago when I when I left London. So there's you know, you can look online and you'll find free diving clubs and you'll find free diving schools and you, so you can get a bit of education it only needs to be like a day. Or it can be over a weekend or you know it, it can be done very easily and then you can start to train so then you can start to see what you're capable of you work on technique so that you're moving very efficiently through the water and you're streamlined and then you're meeting other people that also free dive so what you're saying is do the course first then find a club yeah because the clubs or any free diving school that's the first thing that they'll do with you like scuba diving if anyone knows if you know about scuba diving as well you have to be certified to be able to go and and do dives with uh, mm. with schools and and clubs same in free diving you need to have a basis of knowledge and uh, training and background and safety as I was saying before before they will this you know it's an insurance thing but it's also making sure that people are, are doing it properly because you get more out of it when you know what you're doing are there, what are the side effects health-wise? Because obviously you're dealing with cutting off oxygen to the brain. And I also what I'm trying to understand is, when I swim, yeah. um, that's it's only 20 meter underwater, I don't, I hold my breath at first, and then I slowly breathe in the oxygen that's in my mouth. Because I'm ex-military there, it's teaching us, when we crash in helicopters, yeah. you've got oxygen in your mouth and in your gut. So yeah. you can kind of breathe that back in, because normally, you know you breathe out more oxygen than you breathe yeah, in, not, yeah. 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 yeah, so you can kind of, yeah, yeah, and then, and then, so I do that. Now, as a free diver, am I just holding, doing it all on the one breath, just holding it and not breathing out at all? So, yeah, the thing that people don't understand or, or, or misunderstand, let's say, about free diving is that the thinking is that you have to breathe a certain way. You need to breathe fast or hard or really, really deeply before you hold your breath, and that's actually completely wrong. You need to have very, very relaxed breathing. It's as if you're lying in bed, you know, falling asleep, because you're not moving, so you don't want to breathe more than your body requires, because that's called hyperventilation and that's dangerous. And then, so you, you just relax, first of all, and then you just take one breath, Full, full breath. Full the gut. So you breathe in. So you, your belly, you, belly you breathe in, your belly expands, your out, chest yeah. expands. Yeah. It doesn't need to be a super full breath because the oxygen is already saturated in all parts of your body. So it's just one full but comfortable breath and you hold your breath throughout the time that you're underwater. Oh. So you're not exhaling because, as you said, the oxygen that's still in your lungs still has oxygen in it. Sorry, the air that's in your lungs still has, has a... So your body will naturally take the oxygen from your lungs without you having to 
do anything, you just shut off the valve, so to speak. You just close your mouth. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Okay. That's interesting. We, we wear a mask as well. You know, more advanced stages, people just wear a nose clip just to pinch their nose. Oh, yes, you're, you're going, going down, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because yeah. I'm swimming along. Yeah, but in, <laughs> yeah, but in okay. Nepal, also people wear masks or nose clips, yeah. So when you say a mask, what you, you're not referring to goggles? No, no, you need to have your nose enclosed inside. Because what happens, as I was explaining before about, I don't want to go into too much kind of uh, physiological or, you know, the physics of, of pressure, but as you go underwater, the volume of the air in your mask and in your lungs and in any air spaces in your body, i.e. in your ears and your station tubes that air under pressure reduces in volume that's why we need to equalize our ears but there's an airspace in the mask that also needs to be equalized so if you try and dive down in goggles that airspace between the goggle and your eye is going to start to get smaller and that's going to start to suck on your on your skin and on your eyes and it's uncomfortable and eventually you you know it's gonna it's gonna bruise you you get what's called a squeeze i don't want to say it's as dramatic as your eyes are going to get sucked out because <laughs> i don't think anyone would push themselves that that far but but no we can't we can't go underwater deep underwater in goggles you're okay in a pool if you're only going a meter or a meter and a half let's say but so you can't go underwater deep in the goggles but you, you need to have the nose space you need to have a mask so that you can exhale through your nose to push push air in to equalise the mask. Ah, like the old diving goggles. You know the glass ones, the, the frogman ones? Well, the ones that we use for free diving are much, much smaller than that. They're very, what we call low volume, so that you don't need to put too much air into them because that's valuable air to you. So, okay. so yeah, it's the same mask that you do for snorkelling or, or scuba diving. But if you want a specialised freediving mask, then it's going to be lower volume and a bit more flexible. There's a lot more to this than I realise. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. But there doesn't have to be. But but yeah, it is it is very very worthwhile to you, get some training. You spoke about the health issues. What are the things that people need to be aware of? Like, what should be your physique, ideal physique? I'm a quite a big guy. I'm overweight, to be honest. Do you need to be a slim person? You look like you're a yoga queen as well. Oh, I don't do yoga. <laughs> the way you're sitting, I was just looking at it. She's sitting with her legs crossed on the seat. But yeah, okay. A lot of a lot of freedivers do do yoga. Yeah, so you are working on your. Anyone can freedive. You know, it doesn't matter your size, your shape, your age. The most successful freediver ever was 53 when she when she died, and she was still breaking world records at that point. So, and she started when she was about 40. So. You know, it's it's not like other sports in... Uh, did she die of free diving? Yes, she did, yeah. Oh, yeah. what happened? Well, I can go into it, but it's it's maybe a bit complex. Oh, um, tell us. It's all right. Well, she made mistakes, and this is why I'm being very clear about making sure that okay, it's well, important to have training, and it's important not to free dive on your own. So she, like any accident, she made three errors so you know quite often when when an accident happens it's more than one thing it's an accumulation of things that, that uh, have gone wrong in her case she didn't have an understanding of the underwater conditions in the place that she was diving 
um, she didn't attach herself to the rope that she was diving on, which you should do. Okay. And she didn't have anyone doing safety for her. She didn't have someone looking after her. Had she changed any one of those three things, the outcome would have been different. But she dived down to a depth that would have been very easy for her. She hit an underwater current. Oh, yeah, I've been in those when I've been diving and you, you get dragged along. Yeah, so when you train free diving, we're diving on a rope, a vertical rope, so she should dive down, turn around, come straight back up again. When the current pushed her, then of course she's she's lose, she's lost the line, so that's gonna cause a bit of panic, that's gonna start to use a oxygen, and then her, her, her trajectory up to the surface isn't a straight line, it's a, like a diagonal, yeah. so it takes a lot longer. Because she wasn't attached to the line, that pushed her away. If she'd been attached to the line, she would have been fine. If she'd known about the current, she wouldn't have dived there. If she'd had someone doing her safety, then they, they could have assisted her. So she, she got pushed very far away, and, the, and then what happened is she blacked out. But by the time she got to the surface, she was what we understand is she was about 50 meters away from where she should have come up. So then no one was there to assist her when she blacked out. And when you black out, you exhale, you lose that volume of air in your lungs, which, help, which helps you to stay buoyant, helps you to float. Mm. So then she started to sink and then the water by the in. time they, they got to her, to where she they'd seen her, she, she was too far under and they, were, and they never found her. Okay. Well, that, I'm glad you shared that story because you yeah. told me some key points. Keeps tied to the line. It sounds a bit like a, the commando things we do in the military. Tied to the line, have a buddy and check, do a recon on the area you're going to be. Exactly, yeah, 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 exactly. But the main thing about that is that you need to be properly trained. And then you know these things. And, and I don't mean to scare people, but I do deal with accidents a lot. and and I hear about things a lot and I and it it happens too much that people think that they don't need to get properly trained and they can watch YouTube videos and learn how to do it and then they like me with the shark <laughs> <laughs> oh well you need to tell me about that but people you know that I do hear about people dying in their swimming pools in the sea because they haven't been properly trained and they've decided to go and dive on their own or with someone that doesn't know how to rescue them. So you've never dived on your own? Yeah, I have and I would have done before I learned to freedive properly. So yes, it does. Okay, but since you've learned the rules or the safety precautions, you're just like, there's no safety there. It's like, I'm going to freedive 20 meters and then come up. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't do that without anyone. Okay, yeah. that's interesting. Yeah. That's interesting. So all my... I could, you know, 20 meters for me, obviously, because it's my job. That's not, that's not a, you know, that's not a big dive. But I have to practice what I preach. Yeah. You no, know, sure, and you don't sure. know, you don't know what, yeah. what can happen. So. What have you learned from your extensive experience in this industry? How long have you been in the industry? Free diving for 10 years, but before that, scuba diving for, for another 10 years. So 20 years of, of working. Okay. So what have you learned from your 20 years that you wish you knew when you'd started? <laughs> oh, God, that's a really tough question because there's so many things, you know, that you Name learn. Name them, we've got time. Life. 
this is an exclusive this is this interview we've got way over our time but this is all going out there so go on something that's drawn sucking people down yeah do you know what that would be and also how can you do a recce if you can't go in the water so i'll answer the second question first with 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 basically what you were just saying which is listen to the locals you need to if you don't have knowledge of an area you need to speak to the locals and get local knowledge of it because that's you know the, the people that live there, and especially if they're areas where people are working in the sea, then they have a wealth of expertise and knowledge about a place that, you know, that is extremely valuable. So I would say definitely listen to people. I would, you know, I would also add, so there's a place in the Bahamas where I work, and it's called Dean's Blue Hole, and it's in an island called Long Island in the Bahamas. And it's a sinkhole, as we were talking about, it's 200 meters deep and it goes from the beach to 200 meters in in you know in a matter of meters so you can be standing on white sand and then the water goes turquoise and then it goes navy blue and it's you know within a, within a few meters the locals there are quite scared of it because they 
think that you're getting sucked down and they've lost people, you know, and it's a small island so everyone knows each other and so people have drowned in there. But it's probably because they're not able to swim well and so they aren't able to touch the bottom very suddenly, they can't touch the and bottom anymore and they panic. So in that sense, you know, that's local kind of fear because of because of things that have happened over the years. But on the whole, yeah, you definitely want to speak to locals. You can, you know, you need, again, this is where you, where it's good to get training because you get taught to look at certain apps or maps that tell you depth. So there's an app called Navionics, which tells you the depth contours. It's used a lot by sailors and people who are on the water. So you can find out how deep a location is. You can check things like Windy is another app, so these weather apps that tell you what the weather's like, and they'll give you an indication of what the conditions are likely to be. But in terms of things like currents, riptides, currents where you're getting pulled under and that kind of thing, you need to find that out from people, or you can potentially read about it on the internet. But those kind of things you don't want to mess with because the, the sea is very much can be unforgiving yeah yeah it's very powerful and it should be respected so so I would always advise getting information uh, on a place before you dive there and so you know most of the time if I go somewhere new then I'm gonna get I'm gonna get some a local free diving school local scuba diving school fishermen sometimes you know I'm gonna get I'm gonna get information about it before I before I go there have you ever had a, a point where you thought oh that could have been the end of you you've come into sea creatures or anything in the water I've you know I've been in the water with a lot of sharks I've been in the water with whales whales aren't you know aren't dangerous sharks can be more curious let's say but I'm not particularly I'm not particularly nervous around them some people can be you know also there to be respected I no, I haven't had an experience like so, with, with any animals where I've thought shit this is you know something's okay. you know but but yeah I would I have got out of the water when a shark's been a little bit curious or if I've been surrounded by barracudas or something like that you know I'll kind of go okay this All is right. time for me to it's not it's not I'm not it. a delicatessen <laughs> <laughs> Okay, yeah, I see what you mean. But That's I've never it. had a close call, no. What would you be your advice to your 16-year-old self, if you could go back in time? <laughs> I think I probably would have encouraged myself to get into the water sooner. Because I always like being in the water, but you know when you're a teenager and you've got other things that are more important to you, you know, you've got other things that interest you you know your mates you're worried about what people think of you you, you know you're quite sort of I don't know there's a lot more going on when you're a teenager and, and I think that having some time in nature and having that kind of an activity that can, is really yours it's really your own it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks or that can be such a special experience but having said that I do really feel like you know, we learn as we go through life and and that's such an incredible process. For me, like I look back on 
the experiences that I've had, the way that I used to think 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. And I really enjoy feeling more mature and having learned more and and it's just life isn't it it's just what it's just the process of it you can't have the maturity of a 46 year old when you're 16 you know it's you're not 46 i am yeah really yeah you're snap the same age as me but oh, you, i do, I do think so <laughs> i wouldn't have been up for you younger like in the 30s so okay all right and it's yes an enjoyable you know, it's life, it's an enjoyable process, isn't it? As you go through life, you you learn things about yourself, you learn things about people, about the world. And okay. So, yeah. I'll tell you one I thing to the audience out here. I don't know if she's going to let us take a photo of her with the mic like everybody else. <laughs> but if you do consider getting into this diving game, do it because you'll look young. <laughs> it knocks a lot of years off of you in, in that respect. Okay, if you can, it's very good for you. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's enough. Yeah, that's a question that comes to mind. What are the physical benefits? I know you come from a diving background originally, yeah. but um, what are the physical benefits that you found with um, diving and the whole you know, deep sea diving? I think yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of benefits to it physically. There's a lot of benefits to it mentally, emotionally as well. But physically. I think because it's a sporting activity that people really get quite addicted to, you you start to consider how you take care of yourself. So you start to consider what you're eating, what you're drinking, how much you're moving. So you get side benefits from it. Oh, that's why then people do yoga. Yeah, yeah, and yoga or Pilates, which is more eating my Eating wise, what do you not eat? Well, I don't eat before I free dive, so I do a little bit of, of a fast. What, Unless I'm going to be working for a really, really long time. If I'm going to be in the water for, you know, for hours on end, then I will like force myself to, to, to eat something. But normally we'll go free diving in the morning because it does help you to have a bit of an emptier stomach. If you're training this is so then I won't have eaten since since the night before I'll make sure I drink plenty because hydration is really important so the night if you're going let's say you're going free diving at 6 a.m. what you would have stopped of eating at 6 p.m. or something yeah whatever time I eat I tend to eat quite early I don't want to really be eating after about 8 p.m. but that's just a personal thing for me but I'm quite used to that and fasting does have its health benefits for us Making sure that you're hydrated obviously is good for you. I probably wouldn't be drinking much the night before or anything the night before. So so it just generally makes you a little bit healthier. When you're starting to train a little bit more regularly, then you, you know people are gonna start to think about nutrition and supplements and things like that. Avoiding sugar, I don't eat gluten. Some people would avoid dairy because it, because it can affect how you are able to equalize. So it gets people to be a little bit considerate of their nutrition. Everyone's going to benefit from different things, you know. I can't just say one thing is going to work for everybody. And then you start to, you know, think about your body and your flexibility and your strength. And, you know, people just tend to get a little bit more active with it. And there's so many benefits to being in the water. And there are actual benefits to breath hold as well. 
So there's something called brain-derived neurotropic factor which is increased when we get gently or lightly hypoxic which means low on oxygen. So in a controlled way we're getting low on oxygen when we're free diving and so that's like growth hormone you know it's, it benefits our brains it benefits our nervous systems and it benefits our bodies there is something called hyperbaric oxygen treatment which is a treatment that people can have for multitude of illnesses and ailments including cancer dementia long covid there's all sorts of benefits that people can get anti-aging actually and hy hyperbaric oxygen treatment is similar in a way to what happens when we're when we're free diving because we're under pressure and that and then we get an increased partial pressure of oxygen in our body i.e we're basically increasing the the concentration of oxygen that's getting to our tissues when we go under so so that's a you know a health benefit and also mentally you have to you have to learn how to relax and it's not as easy as you know as, as, as you think you also get a very immediate reflection of how you're feeling mentally or physically on any given day because your performance will change very quickly so it you know if you've had a rubbish night's sleep and you're feeling a bit you know tired or a bit under the weather you can probably normally go to work and kind of get through it mm. if you if you get in the water and try and hold your breath you're going to find out quickly that you're not feeling great so so it gets you a little bit more aware of yourself you're connecting your mind to your body your movements and and i think those benefits spread out into people's lives you know i have a lot of students of mine who've said that now they manage stress better you know when mm. things happen at work and you know they're more aware of of how they're feeling and so they take care of themselves better you know there's a lot of there's a lot of things that do you run do you find all this breathing technique helps you with your running if you run i don't run but a lot of people do run i have um, dodgy knees and okay mm -hmm. and i prefer to do kind of strength stuff and flexibility stuff but mm -hmm. but it definitely does help you and breath work generally so the, the breathing and the and the breath hold and the relaxation breathing that we do mm. it's the same as other breath work that people do mm. which helps with anxiety and it helps with uh, mm. you know all sorts of emotional things and physical physical problems as well so there's you know there's a multitude of benefits to mm. free diving well sorry to cut you we've come to the end of the journey now mm -hmm. and what i was gonna my last question to you is what i ask for everybody yeah. as taxi chronicles we believe in helping people you've helped people in a great way with excuse me with your information on the diving but if you could leave the world with one word sentence of wisdom what, <laughs> based on your extensive experience of life in general what would it be i think that we learn so much from what we consider to be failures and actually when things go not to plan and we don't achieve exactly what we wanted to there's reasons for that and then we learn from those reasons so you know this is what happens in free dive when you decide that you want to go to a certain depth and, and you don't always make it and it's not a failure it's a learning experience so when things go great it's amazing it's the best experience in the world and when things don't go as you wanted them to go 
that's also positive. That's a good thing too. And I think that's one of the biggest learnings from, from free diving. And it's kind of like every cloud's got a sil silver lining and it's kind of like, not don't beat yourself up when things don't go as you expected, you know, because expectation can, can you know, can feel, can feel negative, mm -hmm. but actually when things go wrong, it can be very positive as well. Okay. Well, thanks a lot for that. And we, wish, and we wish you well. We hope that episode enhanced your life. We post an interview every day as well as vlogging on our social media channel. Don't forget to subscribe to get our latest episode.